0: This is the Personal Finance Show. I'm Bo Humphreys, and this is The Personal Finance Show. Before I get started with this week's episode, I have a special announcement about next week's episode that I want you to hear. Next week will be a special small business episode of The Personal Finance Show. You might be aware that I'm a personal finance coach, but did you know that I'm also a bookkeeping coach and a QuickBooks Online Pro Advisor? I help people learn how to do their own basic bookkeeping with QuickBooks Online. I want to help people understand their small business, but even with my coaching, they will reach a point when they need an experienced bookkeeper or accountant to help with more advanced things. This is why next week I'll be launching my new website, financialaccounting.ca, which will be Canada's bookkeeping and accounting hub. If you have a small business or work for one and are trying to get your business finances in order, I want financialaccounting.ca to be the place where you start your research. Next week's episode will feature Jeff Cates, president and CEO of Intuit Canada, the company behind QuickBooks Online. I'm really excited about this launch, and I hope you will listen to the episode and check out financialaccounting.ca next week when it is finally ready. Now let's start episode 33 of the Personal Finance Show with a quote from my guest, Raj Lala, CEO and president of Evolve ETFs.
1: You've got to take a reward from everything that you do. If you constantly look in the rearview mirror and are bitter and twisted, you're never going to succeed in life. I'm a a huge believer
0: in that. I talk about exchange-traded funds, or ETFs, a lot. How the best portfolio is a diversified portfolio. And how the simplest way to diversify is to buy a handful of ETFs that are built to mimic certain parts of the market. Robo advisors, for example, will usually have what we like to call buckets made up of ETFs that balance each other out to try to achieve an overall return, depending on your level of risk tolerance. But how are these ETFs built? Who creates funds and how are they created? The answer is there are a handful of people out there who are skilled at taking a bunch of investments and packaging them together in a bundle, or fund. This is more of an art form than something you can learn about in books. The art of fund building is something that is acquired over years of practice, but there's also a lot of natural talent to start with, like someone who's a great artist or musician. You have to have some talent to start with, and then you hone your craft. Raj Lala is one of these artists. With his new company, Evolve ETFs, Raj is focused on investments encompassing topics that intersect in Canadians' daily lives. Products like their North American Gender Diversity ETF, which invests in top North American companies as ranked by Equileap's extensive gender scorecard, which includes 19 criteria of gender balance and gender equality. I met Raj at the Evolve office in Toronto, where he shared his personal finance journey and the idea of investing in financial products that mean something to you.
1: Spend too much time on the early, early days, but my parents are both Indian. They both moved to England when India got their independence, and it was easier to to do that through the Commonwealth. What year was that? This would have been 1968. Okay, 68. And I was born in 71 in England. Okay. Okay. Oh, wow. And um, my dad went to the London School of Economics and uh, was very well-versed in business, and he was working in middle management in England in the early 70s, and it was still at a time where there was the color bar uh, in in England, and it was tough to get promoted as a visible minority. So in 1975, I was four years old, and my dad said, you know what? I don't want my kids to grow up in an environment where they get treated like a second-class citizen. Sure, sure. So we packed up and we moved to Canada. And Canada was
0: better at this time. Yeah. Like slightly uh, much, much better. Much, much, much better. better. Okay. Remember, this was
1: the this was the period where Pierre Elliott Trudeau was starting to let in a number okay. of immigrants. And that's why so many of the immigrants became huge followers and disciples of the Liberal Party. Amazing. Uh, because it goes back to the seventies from an immigration perspective. The original Trudeau. The original Trudeau. <laughs> and it was also a lot easier because, you know, because of the Commonwealth it was it was it wasn't very difficult to go from India to England and then from England to Canada. It's, so it's a good lot, in a way. Yeah. There's a large Indian population that did that. So I came here when I was, when I was four. My dad had nothing and uh, started building a career for himself. And then he took a lot of the money that he made within his career. He was doing accounting work for actually for City Hall uh, hmm. and for a number of other organizations. And he took that money and he actually rolled it into a business. So he was <laughs> always
0: an accountant. He was always no, that was his he was business. Always, yeah, I mean he was from, a businessman. India onward or yeah. he was yeah, like yeah. what's the difference? Businessman versus accountant?
1: Well like a businessman. Business, yeah, I mean businessman is not just understanding the financial side, but actually sure. being shrewd enough to actually understand the business okay, and yeah. making making shrewd uh, decisions sure, sure. as well. Okay. And he took that, he took the money that he earned, uh, or the savings that he earned, and he rolled it into a business. And it was an interesting business because basically it was, he was a distributor of accessories of costume jewelry. Okay. So to like Fairweather. Um, oh, yeah, the distributor. Fairweather used to be, Dalex okay. used to be, used to be uh, their biggest customer. Uh, for my parents' business. And they were okay. doing quite well, and they were you know, on the same floor as Club Monaco when Club Monaco was big. Yeah, I, also I remember. back here at 720 <laughs> King Street, which sure. is the fi- fashion district. Yeah. He then took the money that he was making from his business and rolled it into real estate. And at one point, my dad was worth close to $20 million. He made wow. a lot of money in real estate.
0: Okay, and then in what area of the uh, this is condos? GTA? All residential.
1: Yeah, I was. Like, I think he owned at one point like about fourteen condos throughout uh, the downtown core. Nice, a lot of in Harbor Front. And we moved into like the this, city place here, or yeah, the, like yeah. in oh, down, down in Harbor Front. this Four City Place. Four City. Place. This, city is, oh, this is like this is yeah, wait, now. Yeah, what decade this are we would in have now? been? Early eighties into sure. ninety. Wow. Uh, that he was invested. So this in was a really good time to do this. It was a great time, and yeah. it was a great time. So time.
0: wow, and this is like I love this. this yeah. Of course, this is a great yeah. uh, success story, right? Well, I, well, go, let go, me keep go, going. Go ahead. Please it, continue. It, was, it
1: wasn't. It wasn't. He owned a lot of real estate, and then I turned eighteen. I guess right around nineteen eighty nine. And when I turned eighteen he started putting some properties in my name as well because mm. it was a diversification move. Because sure. obviously he needed to be at least eighteen for tax to purposes. Do that. for tax purposes yeah. and for for so also looking at our future yeah, yeah, exactly. and saying, you know what, at least you know, my son will have, you know, three condos and he doesn't have to worry but back then, what you used to do with properties is you used to put like five percent down. Sure, not okay. twenty or thirty. Yeah, so or 40%. he's not buying the full, paying the full price. Yes. So it's it's highly speculative. Mm, okay, and he would put five percent down. So your margin for error is very small. Mm. So if you have a correction in the real estate market, then the liabilities outweigh your assets, and you're in trouble. And that's exactly what happened in 1990. Okay. 1990. Uh, when the real estate market crashed here in mm. uh, in Toronto. And he lost everything. Wow. And now, by this point, I had kind of become like a spoiled brat. Yeah, uh, you're used honest. to all I mean, You got condos in a your sports name. sports car. And we lived in an 8,000-square-foot home on Mississauga Road overlooking the Mississauga Golf Club. Okay. And my sister had her own wing yeah. to her house, <laughs> uh, to, to the house. And, like, she had a jacuzzi and a fireplace in her bedroom. So it was crazy. Wow. And in 19, 1990, I was getting ready to go to university. Sure. And... Within the six months prior, my dad was just losing one condo after another into foreclosure yeah, uh, because the banks were repossessing them. To the point where the sheriff came to our house and really? said, you've got three days to vacate because oh. my dad was in that much debt at that point. Oh, no. And I'll never forget. So, So we moved to the one condo that my dad had left, downtown Toronto, here at the Esplanade. Wow. And I'll never forget because it was the one time I ever had a beer with my dad. Because my dad, my dad and I have uh, had a more of a traditional Indian relationship, not okay. like a buddy-buddy relationship yeah. like you have or that I have with my kids today, for example. Sure. And um, he said to me, I feel horrible because not only can I not afford to now put you through university – but because those condos were in your name, your credit is spoiled and you can't even qualify for OSAP. Oh, yes. Not even OSAP? Not even OSAP, because there was a couple of condos that foreclosed No, I've done this too. before. Not everybody yeah. knows what OSAP
0: is. So oh, sorry. Ontario Scholars. Student Assistant Program. There you go. That's yeah, right. we did it because like, I was like, OSAP, right? Yeah. I said it to an American.
1: Yeah. Oh, well, that's <laughs> the not... most people here should <laughs> but, know. But yeah, but, but we have listeners. Especially I, the ones here in Ontario. I have I.
0: listeners all over North America, <laughs> yeah. so yeah. it's not necessarily. But yeah, so you couldn't qualify for student loans even. So I was like, what did holy
1: do? cow, yeah. I've gone from being this rich kid that Man. quite honestly didn't even want to go to university because I was thinking I'll just it. overtake yeah. my dad's business sure. to this kid that actually cannot even afford to go to university. It was probably one of the most pivotal moments or times in my life, of yeah. course. And quite honestly, in retrospect, probably the best thing that ever happened to me. Because if I was that rich, spoiled kid and I overtook my dad's business, I would have been lazy, I would have been complacent, and I probably would have pissed it into the ground. Also, most likely. In hindsight, though. But in at hindsight. the time... You don't know that.
0: You were having a, I was horrified. a hard time. I was horrified. Your
1: life is over. Yeah. Really? It, was, it was horrible. Wow. So hmm. the only job I could get was cutting grass for the region of peel okay cutting the ditches and the highways on the islands uh, the medians in the on the roads and stuff like that like
0: they, you applied to a bunch of jobs and that yeah. was the only one available That's the only one time. i could get yeah wow. and
1: um so i cut grass uh for four and a half months which gave me enough to go to U of T okay. back then because I wasn't going to be paying for living away expenses because I was going to stay at home yep. and go to university. Okay, And back then tuition was a couple grand, couple grand plus, yeah. plus books would be like all in be like three. So sure. if you can save that, if you get a decent job, you can save that over four or five months if you're living at home. So I did that and I did that every summer to put myself through University. It was a it was a great experience. In fact, one, one, one thing I would I would mention that it, is that I actually owe one year's university to the Toronto Blue Jays because in nineteen I think it was the ninety one World Series I entered a raffle to win seven tickets. I, not win to buy seven tickets yeah. to the Toronto Star. This is oh, pre-internet. These the, are like the privilege the prehistoric to buy. the privilege to buy was a lottery system, yeah. but then you would still have to pay. I got seven uh, level five hundred seats. And that was the game that they ended up winning the World Series. I sold of five of the seats for three grand, which oh. paid for a year of university. Wow! And I went with one of my best friends to the game, so I still got to see. You it. Got, anyways, to got the. I owed the Blue go. Jays a lot. I owed the Blue Jays a lot because they had such a great season and they made it to the World Series. So. I think my brother did that for you, you too, in, in two thousand five. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. If you
0: like, before it was really, really hard to get tickets. Yeah. That's a, that's so amazing I, I, luck I should have for maybe gone
1: into scalping instead of <laughs> ETF business. Oh
0: yeah, no, it, it's a short lived. And uh, you know, I used to work uh, for MLSC and at the yeah. ACC, and and uh, they don't look very happy. The scalpers. No. So don't. No. Well, I, today it's automated, right? Today, today it's StubHub. And but even over the else. years, they don't. They just don't look like the happiest no, people. Not. It, it's not, not. It's not the best job. Maybe no. they're raking it in. Maybe. Maybe they used
1: to. And they probably get stuck with inventory
0: sometimes. And too. exactly, they probably get stuck with a lot of like, oh, we didn't know this just. Bieber show was going to go so well. (laughs) But you, this is sort of, so this is kind of your first. Money experience was you learned uh, the value of hard yeah, work. Yeah, and a lot
1: of my friends said to me, "I'm shocked that you went and set up your own business after going through that roller coaster ride." And I say sometimes, "Yeah, me too." Uh, <laughs> yeah. I because I, uh, a lot of people that have gone through that would go through that kind of roller coaster would become so risk averse, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, that didn't really you know that didn't really impact me uh, in that way. So when I finished university, it was '94. It wasn't a ton of jobs. I decided to travel for a year. What degree did you get? I had economics degree. Okay, and, so, and Poli Sci. And, at and U
0: This would be good for starting a business,
1: of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I still didn't know what I wanted to do. Okay. I didn't even know anything about finance yet, quite honestly. Mm. But I'd heard about it, so I bought my Canadian Securities Course textbook and I traveled for a year. So okay. I traveled, I cut grass for an extra couple of months after I finished yeah. university. I traveled for one year on 5,000 bucks. Where'd you go?
0: like uh, you know throughout, if you went everywhere throughout, uh, briefly. throughout
1: south america and parts of asia peru did you go to peru i did yeah i spent yeah. a month there beautiful place machu picchu yeah of course great. in fact i did machu picchu recently just as recently well with my family yeah it was great you was climb yeah. one or yeah. both yeah. both yeah. times yeah. it's amazing yeah the it's climb
0: that, that was like i feel like it was a turning point in my life just being at the top looking down it's at incredible. machu picchu city how, that giant was that giant flag still that? there
1: Oh, I didn't see a giant fly. Oh yeah, yeah yeah. right, you're right, right right yeah,
0: yeah. It was it terrifying yeah, yeah, to yeah, you yeah, as well. Yeah, I' like yeah. there's no rails at the yeah. top there and there's a yeah. giant I mean you know I yeah. pride, like, like you're yeah. proud of Peru yeah,
1: for sure, but it's it's amazing. It, I, people how they built that
0: how this it's unbelievable it's how they got and then then well Hiram Bingham found it, I think yeah. right. Well, so they say. Somebody, oh, that's, remember, there's controversy that. They named the train that. after him. Is there a controversy? Yeah, there's I
1: did Because he is the the German or Swede, I think. I, for, I forget Bingham, his I think. origin. Yeah, no, I think yeah. he was the German or Swede. But I think that there's there was actually somebody local that took him to, to of course that had already discovered but he him. But had, Bingham had uh, money. Bingham and, had the profile, and, yeah, so that they could state that he actually found it. So, so you got a year. So I got a year I was staying went in away. like you know hostels for like four dollars yeah, a night. Yeah. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah. It was great. It was you know probably the best travel experience I've ever had. Yeah. Yeah. And then I came back, and I had finished. I had actually read my textbook while I was traveling. You did on trains and okay. planes and automobiles. It's a good way. You gave yourself yeah.
0: lots of time, and, and I, I, I hear it's not like you know crazy hard. No. to study for the no. CSC.
1: Yeah, back then, yeah, it was. It was. I think you needed a seventy to pass or something like okay. that. And I passed it and I've started looking for a job in the financial services industry because I realized that was what I want to do. Now, a lot of people that you talk to from the financial services industry or investment industry will tell you that, you know, they started buying stocks when they were really young and they developed an affinity yeah. for it. That wasn't me. That was you to No, have. I needed money to go to university. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have money to buy stocks. Yeah. You're in any dividends yeah. yet? No, not yet. <laughs> so my first job in the business that I found through a recruiter was a telemarketing for A group of financial advisors to get people to come out to financial planning seminars. Sure. So we would use what's called – I don't know if it still exists – called the Scott's Directory, Crisscross Directory, which has a directory. It's the phone book basically. And you would go through city by city and you would cold call. Now, there was a team of like eight people. I was bringing in more than everybody else combined into these seminars and after six months, I was like, "Okay, I can't do this anymore. This is the telemarketing is, is, is a tough job. It's basically non-existent today." But what you had skills? What were you doing that was different it's than persistent. everybody else? You're just, just like, uh, just "Come on, come on!" It's to easy the, to get demotivated come on doing to the that night. kind of stuff. It's right. gonna be fun. You'll yeah. make some
0: money, oh. or you'll figure out how to make money.
1: But it's also, you know, I mean, it's easy to get demotivated mm. uh, for a lot of people, right? So if they make if they make five calls, they all go bad, then they go slow into the number six, and then go slower into number seven. All of a sudden, you know, when they were thinking that they were going to do thirty or forty calls in one night, they ended up only doing like you know ten or twelve. And it's a numbers game. And the successes don't make up for it's the a numbers game. It doesn't negatives. mean that I had you know that much better personality than some of the others. It's just, just that I was going. more persistent. And it was a great experience, actually, because it builds thick skin yes. and, and persistence. This and a is lot your of equivalent.
0: Things- I, talk, uh, I, I mentioned this a lot lately. It's your equivalent of like doing a fast food job or, oh, yeah. or working in retail. For sure. People. Oh, I did that too. Oh, you did oh, that no, too? Oh, no, no, no. Oh, oh, I, did, I didn't work retail, okay. but
1: I did a bunch of other. Like, yeah. uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of Cutco Knives. Yeah, okay, yes, you did door that. Door-to-door door to door. Cutco oh, no. Knives. Door-to-door. Door. Um, so I, learn- I telemarketed for carpet cleaning oh. Uh, services. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, no. no so I, this is
0: human. You're learning about true human behavior yeah. and human nature yeah. and kind of the worst stuff that you can I was can skipping
1: over that stuff to go right into what well, my first job in this industry was. Of course. Was. No,
0: no, no. And you can keep going. Yeah. I just – these are the things, as you said, that build – our ability, I don't know, just our ability to, to have perspective, yeah. to, 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 to so. deal with life as, as it comes so. to you, which you would have never that's had, as reflect. you said, as the, the lazy inheritor, <laughs> and your words. It's yeah. <laughs> a good uh, and that's uh, a good point, yeah. The, these are the things like, you know, if you don't, you gotta, I don't know, it's, it's crazy. You gotta go through bad things or struggles sometimes. Yeah. I think everybody has to,
1: I worry sometimes about, you know, kids, I worry about the, this generation, you know, we kind of go through this whole period where we try to make life better for every generation. Right. I mean, my grandparents made a better life for my parents. My parents made a better life for me. I'm making a better life for my kids, but it's getting to the point now where I don't know if kids are facing. Like, think I think about the hardships that my parents had to face. Yeah. Like moving around from country to country with nothing. Yeah. Starting uh, going through going through British rule, which challenging uh, as it was. Just that, just being just
0: being under the. I mean, we're technically still in the Commonwealth, but we're not like they were. Right. And you know, I just read a book about the you know the Tiananmen Square Chinese Mm -hmm. history. Oh man, like we don't even know the half of it. It's, uh, we live in a bubble when we we wonder like why you know like if I have Chinese friends, why are your parents like that, and they're like you read this book that 's why, yeah, and same with your parents, like th- yeah, the struggles that we go through, like I talk about my addiction and stuff like mm-hmm. it's I mean relatively it 's nothing compared to what people have gone through again, we still we have our own struggles, though. Yeah. so you had yours,, yeah. and so you
1: <laughs> You're sell, you are You moved on from the telemarketing. I moved I moved on. Well, actually, what happened was I went to the guys that I was working for. I was like, I can't do this anymore. I said, you know what? You're doing, you're bringing in so many people. We don't want to lose you. Why don't you come in and take over a bunch of our smaller clients? Okay. Uh, and I said, that's an interesting opportunity. So become a broker, sure. basically. So I decided to do that. You're selling the product now that you were
0: trying so, to get people yeah, to your come in. Yeah, you're financial planning. Yeah, too, you're, financial planning, like that. But you're financial planning, but you're... You also have a product behind this.
1: No, no product. No, no. no just you're the- buying any mutual fund. Oh, okay. That's under the sun at that point and building portfolios for investors. Sure. And, okay. and, and you know, I realized very quickly that that just wasn't for me. I just, I was 25, and I don't think I was cut out to be managing people's life savings. I was still. You know, I, I still had a lot to learn. Yeah. So a friend of mine was setting up a mutual fund company. I won't name names. And um, as much as you, you're comfortable <laughs> with, it <laughs> yeah. doesn't bother me. Yeah. But you, yeah. you keep your uh, a friend of mine was setting up a, small, a mutual fund company that was just bought recently by a big insurance company. Okay. And uh, he asked me if I'd be interested in helping him out. So flipping to the other side, so going from kind of being a retailer mm-hmm. to becoming a manufacturer slash wholesaler in the, yeah, in the, the investment the in the financial services industry.
0: And sorry, and just to interrupt yeah. you, sorry. We We can get to this and we will, of course, Mm -hmm. uh, because your company makes ETFs, Mm -hmm. but can you just briefly explain how does someone make a mutual fund? (laughs) Like, first of all, you have to have capital.
1: You have to have money. Yeah, It's art and science. So you're, it's, it's picking, you're picking companies. It's, whoops, it's, um, it's not, first it's about your idea. Okay. Yeah. Like, what is your idea? Like, you know. Are you, are you, do you want to focus on a specific region? Do you want to create okay, a U.S.-based yes, product sure. that invests in U.S. equities or emerging markets or Canadian-based? And then it's picking you know, specific asset classes. Do you want to focus more on technology? Do you want to focus more on consumer discretionary, large cap, small cap? So there's this whole, this whole process that you need to go through to identify what products you think make a really good investment case and most importantly as well, that people are actually going to be interested in that, using.
0: Like the, And it's all uh, risk is always in mind here. Of course. Right? So like you you have a risk target, like this is going to be this risky. And that's how we're you, you, part of you it. You do.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, like for example, here at Evolve, we launched a, a core fixed income fund. That's That's built for... The risk averse. And then we've also got, you know, a future of the automobile ETF that's a little narrower, that's focused for Mm -hmm. you know people that are looking for alpha generators or enhancement to their overall performance. But it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that one is for one investor and the other's for another. It means that, you know, that the smaller niche type of products might just make up a smaller portion of a more conservative person's portfolio. portfolio. And I want to get
0: into that in more detail. Uh, But uh let's get back to your your first this is the first your friend put it together already Mm -hmm. and no he,
1: he was trying to put it together and i joined him and it was a great experience when I was helping to build it with them. So start building, building the it. product with all the service providers, yeah. with the lawyers, with the OSC, with everything. And that's where I learned how to build product. That's your first that experience. Yeah, because there's so much it regulation not, and everything. Yeah, it was not this. financially rewarding, but it was educationally rewarding. And I went to this individual a few times because it was really, he was the brainchild behind it. Yeah. But I was uh, the guy that was out there, front and center for for the funds.
0: You got to know, you got to hear the I'll you're never, never the forget, face. like,
1: I mean, you know, again, we think about how technology has changed. I would go into a bunch of meetings with different brokers and then of course I'd have to go back at the end of the day and fax them stuff because we didn't have internet and email back then. Yeah, I know, it's not that long ago by the yeah, way. Yeah, well the knocking on feels, the doors and yeah. it feels like it was it was a lifetime ago, it's but funny, I eh? still remember those days. So I'll never forget. I, I used to ask him on a regular basis if uh, if I could have some equity in the business. And he always said to me, Raj, don't worry. You know, when we make some progress, I'll get you some equity in the business. And probably one of the best lessons my dad gave me was he said to me one night, he said, look, if somebody's not going to give you equity in their business when it's worth nothing, they're not going to give you equity in yeah, the business when it's worth something. Let's
0: wait till it makes money. Then you can have a part of it. That- <laughs> so get out.
1: <laughs> Good point. And Good point. I was like, yeah, you're right. I need to make a move. So I left. But again, you know, my reward there was I got a great education. Yeah. And there's a, there's, you've got to take a reward from everything that you do. If you constantly look in the rearview mirror and are bitter and twisted, you're never going to succeed in life. I'm a, I'm a huge believer in that. Yeah. So, you know, telemarketing was, was great in some ways, horrible in others. But what I remember was that it helped me build perseverance and, tenacity. Yeah. Going over to that mutual fund company, there was a lot of things that I didn't like. But what I re- what I focus on remembering is it gave me my education on how to build product and how to distribute product as well. Then after that, I went and set up my own hedge fund of funds company. So, so you knew
0: at this point that this is what you want to do, product. Yeah, you wanted I love- to- you want I to build a fun- what is it about it?
1: I don't know. Maybe it's like an insecurity of looking for affirmation that when you create something, people validate it by saying, "I love that product." And I, I don't buy know. It. It's probably part of it. It's a, like, why do people? Why do we create anything? Yeah, this is this it's a, it's a, your, a great. It's a great. It's a great. feeling. Art. yeah, it's a great. Do you, do you see it as art? Like you said it is an art. You it's, said that it's earlier. A, it's didn't a total. You? It's a total
0: art. I don't know you, if that everybody realizes or would think
1: about it that way. Well, you have to have a sense of what the market's looking for. You have yeah. to be able to identify the gaps and see whether there are actually gaps worth filling Hmm. because there's tons of gaps. Like, for example, in the ETF world, somebody just launched a pet supplies ETF. Really? Sure, that's a gap, okay? But I don't (laughs) think that (laughs) you need an ETF. I don't think that's a gap that really needs to be filled. Because
0: there's how many, like, what, do you have a number? How many ETFs in In Canada? In Canada, there's
1: probably kissing 700 now. Yeah, like... It's a lot. Like, why? To express views. But how many but, are? But there needs to be more than five people that want to express right. that view, right? So, like, do you have an
0: idea of how many of these are just like not? just shouldn't be there. They shouldn't exist.
1: Oh yeah, like I, I mean, I, I would say. At least 200 to 250 probably shouldn't be there right now. Who's buying? Who's buying them? Like the people who, the, that, who made them? I would say that those are examples of ETFs that are not being bought, and they're just sitting there, almost like collecting dust. I mean, everybody's gonna, have, but every big provider is gonna have some of those. Eventually, what you have to do is merge them or shut them down. Is if, it because it doesn't cost a lot of money to keep it going? It does. It does cost but money, you, but you hope to live to fight for another day, right? I mean, you know, um, imagine if you had started a tech ETF in uh, in you know two thousand ninety nine, you you'd be getting killed. Uh, would you shut it down or would you wait? If you waited, uh, mm-hmm. you would have lived to fight another day because Amazon technology caught Microsoft back the, on, right? And uh, the early Netflix, right. However, that was, yeah, early so you, that know, was. you just don't yeah. know. You have to be able to see a light at the end of the tunnel. Sometimes there is no light. So how Sometimes did, that light never comes. Sometimes that tunnel is just so long that it's, 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 it's tough to get there. So eventually. So you build one. You build one of your own. I, I built a hedge fund of funds company. So this was a hedge fund of funds that invested into other hedge funds. So it gives you a diversified way. A hedge fund, yes. Yeah. Not the and, same
0: as a mutual fund, not the same as an ETF no. or index fund. No. Yeah.
1: And it was great. I mean, I raised about 45 million in about a year. I got to know this company called Jovian Capital, Philip Armstrong, who ran uh, Jovian. Him and I became very good friends. They ended up taking a small equity stake in my business to provide a number of services. And then him and I just, you know, he used to, I, my office was in Mississauga. He used to live in Aurora. And every day on his drive home, he had a 45-minute drive. So he would chat with me on the phone. Okay. And we got to know each other basically by phone most of the time because I was usually in Mississauga. And he was downtown Toronto, the office. And eventually he said, listen, Raj, I really like what you're doing with building this company. We want to set up an asset management division within our uh, firm. Why don't you sell us the rest of your company and why don't you come in and build or incubate this asset management platform? And I thought it's probably better to own a smaller piece of a potentially much bigger pie than to own a big piece of a small pie. And I'm glad that I did it. I sold my business to uh, Jovian. I went in to start what was called Jovian Asset Management. It was probably a great move because about six months after I sold my business, uh, there was a couple of hedge fund blow-ups okay. uh, that got themselves into trouble. And What then, does that mean
0: what is it when it blows uh, up? Some fraud in oh, some of the other hedge funds okay. in the market
1: that were, very, uh, that were very predominant in the retail market. And so
0: they're infl- like, they're inflating the value or people or are claiming investing
1: the- when they weren't investing uh, and, you know, yeah. stuff like that. So or saying certain people were involved when they weren't involved. There was a lot to, there was
0: to a gain small. credibility. Yeah. And so it, it turns c- out it was all.
1: Uh, so what right happens up, is, you know, so. when you get a couple of those things, everybody just turtles, right? Nobody yeah. wants to invest anything into hedge funds. Who do they anymore? trust now? They can't trust anybody. How do they Nobody. know that anyone's different from the other? So uh, I'm glad that I sold it because it would have been a tough time to build a business in that type of environment. And then I started, you know, putting together products, so mutual funds, structured products, alternative products with Jovian. Built it from zero to about two and a half billion in assets within about five years. Uh, we also uh, Jovian also incubated uh, a well-known ETF company that exists today called Horizons, and uh, I helped out running the distribution team that covered the Horizons ETFs, and uh, got to know the principles that put Horizons together. Uh, as well. And obviously, I did not know at that time how great of a business that was going to turn out to turn out to be. I left left Jovian. I resigned from Jovian at the end of 2007, because I wanted to do something my dad never did, which is my wife was pregnant with uh, twins. They were going to be born in February of 2008. And I was like, I want to actually hang out with them when they were born. Sure. So I went to Philip Armstrong and I said, listen, I think I want to go. I, I want to spend some time with, with my kids that are going to be born. And I want to go and uh, set up my own business again because it's, you know, it's, it's just in me to do. So he understood. He, I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't happy, but he understood. Uh, I think he, he, goes, he takes this school of thought, which is that if somebody really wants to go, and you pull out all the stops to keep them, it's just a Band-Aid solution That's because right. they're still going to go, so let them go, which was great. I mean, he's still very much a mentor of mine today, and we're still we're still close. So I left, stayed for like four months. I left like the week before my, my kids were born, and it was probably a mistake because, you know, I mean, the truth is babies in their first year really – don't care about their father, uh, it's all about the mom, but uh, the
0: mom was very appreciative of you being there the help for sure <laughs> the two it was especially it was,
1: it, was, it was a lot it was a lot of work. it was obviously the best thing that uh, happened to me, uh, but it was, uh, it was a lot it was a lot of work, but that year was rough, right This was two thousand and eight, so this was oh, so wow so I'm spending time with my kids and at the same time, you know I, I, not knowing that we were about to enter, enter into a financial crisis
0: no but you got so you you got all of your investment out of yeah. the previous company yeah. so now you have this pool of, of funds mm-hmm. that you want to you're going to start this new business with mm-hmm. okay so now the crisis hits and what happens Do you Well I was building already... out my
1: business plan to set up a structured products company like of closed-end funds listed li- uh, funds that basically get listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange and, and then the financial crisis hit good the good part is I never got started because if okay. I had gotten started and started burning through cash, that would have been tough. Yeah. Or if I had products in the market, they would have gotten killed from a performance perspective. Sure. So that was it Never the looks positive good at the side, beginning. Right? Again, you know, easy to look at in hindsight. At that time, I didn't know whether this was going to be a financial crisis that was going to last for a few months or a few years. You don't know, right? You don't know. We so. all, we all think about it now, of course, but you don't know so i started building i started really building it and got a couple of partners one of my partners who's also a partner in in this business out of all michael simonetta decided that he uh, wanted to be part of it and wanted to uh, build it with me we raised in the closed-end fund business about a billion dollars in a number of uh, creative products. And then as we started building it, we realized that the industry was changing. It was evolving. Mm. <laughs> uh, and um, one of the one of the companies that was a sub-advisor for one of our funds called Fiera Capital uh, said to me, Sylvain Brasso, who ran Fiera, said to me uh, over lunch one day, if you ever decide you want to sell your business, you know, we'd like to take a first look at it. So I gave him the first look, and he was interested in Fiera Capital, buying it. Fiera Capital is one of the largest asset managers in Canada. They are the largest Mm. uh, in Quebec, and ended up selling my business to them. What that provided for me personally was the complete security to know that my kid's won't starve, but they're still going to have to earn their keep to build their own career. But it was like your dad giving you the condos. Except this isn't Except, levered. <laughs> didn't, yeah, exactly. You no, there was no leverage. You actually yeah, had this exactly, money. Exactly. And so
0: you were doing what he intended to do. Yeah. And, and And you did. And, yeah. and this felt good. It was great. It was but, great. But you spent all these years, and I apologize for yeah. interrupting. You're basically, you know, I'm trying to equate it to you're learning how to paint or, or mm-hmm. play the piano. I'm mm-hmm. a keyboard player myself. Yeah. And you have these skills, yeah. And you lo- you love it, obviously. I love you, it. You love this, yeah. For sure. <laughs> it's great it. to hear people at at the top, you know, yeah. be like passionate about the product. You know, you're not just in this for the money, right? You're not just no. in it because it's making you and others money, yeah. You really enjoy doing this. And so I really do.
1: In fact, you know, I, I, money to me is, is is secondary. At this stage in my life, it's, it's about really enjoying myself and doing something productive and bringing interesting opportunities to people and also building a great team. And mm. everybody on my team here at Evolve, not everybody, 80% of the people have worked with me in previous lives. Okay. So either Fiera or they worked with me at Propel, which was a structured products company. Couple like Keith uh, worked with me all the way back to Jovian days. I've worked Mm. with Keith for 15 years. Yeah. So I mean, the luxury of getting older in the business is that you make some great friends along the way, and you work with some great people. So don't realize who's good. Yeah. (laughs) But you also realize who you want to work with and who's good. Yeah. The the best part about my team is they don't really need to be managed because they all they all kind of know how to go from point A to point Z. Uh, and again, I would not have known that by starting out in the business at age 30 and hiring people. You got to go through that trial and error. So I I believe I've put together the best team in the space. Obviously I'm I'm biased, but in addition to putting together a great team, we all get along really well. I love it. So anyways, I sold my business to fear. I went in to run the retail business for Fiera. Fiera was an amazing company to work for. Probably probably the best work experience I've ever had, like in terms of the culture and the people that work there. I really enjoyed it. But I really wanted to build out an ETF business. And, um, and why, why did you want to build an ETF? I'm a business? huge believer that ETFs are the future of the investment product side. And why is that? Because they're cheaper, they're more transparent, they're easier to use. Th- th- um,
0: those are the main things where people want absolutely. lower fees. They, uh, they want. Transparencies, of yeah. course, and easier to use because you can buy them. They're traded. You buy them. On, they're listed on, on the exchange. market. You can trade. You don't them have to go through day. a salesperson. In and out.
1: You don't have to go through a salesperson. You can do it yourself, or you can go through your broker if you have a broker. I mean, you've got different ways to access it. It's just, it's, it's. I say that ETFs are like Spotify, and mutual funds are like CDs. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I like that. And it's really, it's, it's, it's just about you know. They might cost similar in some cases, but if you factor it all in, Spotify is way cheaper yeah. uh, than buying CDs because on a CD you might like two songs. Yeah. Uh, right? Now you and, got this but CD. What do you they're Easier do to use. Uh, it's just, a, it's just a more current way to invest and things change and, now, they and, evolve. If they I evolve. evolve? If yeah, I'm exactly. That? We're going yeah. back. There. <laughs> so to me, to me, I just, I, I feel that, you know, ETFs are where the future is from an investment product uh, perspective. And that's really why I want to. And, and, and so, you know, I didn't feel like Fiera was really committed to being in that business. Uh, rightfully so, they were they were focused on other areas of the market institutionally and private wealth and so on, and they're also involved in another ETF issuer with another ETF issuer. So, well, so Wisdom Tree, which is one of the world's largest ETF providers, came knocking on my door and said we want to set up shop in Canada and we'd like you to to run it. And uh I was like this is amazing because this is a entrepreneurial, innovative, mm. New York-based shop what that you're looking for. create real products and um they they were they were great in many ways. They have great products. It just wasn't a good fit for me. Okay. Uh it probably wasn't a good fit for them because, you know, we probably I I think I had just gotten so used to kind of if not being the guy who developed the strategy, at least having a seat at the table. Yeah. And I think what I realized is that I need to build something again.
0: You need the creative control. Of the creative as well. side. Yeah. yeah. So
1: uh, and I also think that you know you, you, as you get older, you also realize you know what you 're good at and what you 're not good at mm-hmm. and i 'm not great at selling other people's products i 'm way better at s- at creating and selling my own yes. it 's like you know we all think our kid is the cutest it 's the same type of thing I love <laughs> I love the creative aspect, but I also love going out there and talking about it because nobody should understand your product better than the people that created it right For so sure. decided that I was going to leave and build evolve. So I started working on Evolve at the beginning of 2017. And nine months later, we gave birth to our first suite of ETFs. So it. we started uh, at the end of September. And we're, what, seven months in? And uh, it's been going great. I mean, you know, we're, we're way ahead of our uh, forecast in terms of growth. And I think it's because we're just creating relevant product, right? I mean, when you think about investing today, like millennials, for example, yeah, eighty percent of millennials that invest want their investments to say something, to yes. make an impact, meaningful in some meaningful. way,
0: or, or aligned with your values. Is that could a, be about environmental,
1: it? could be about social, could be about governance, which is ESG, could be about a number of things. But they want to express a view, and so we've built kind of two pillars to our business. One is on the active ETF side, which is you know identifying asset classes that you can point to that actually do benefit from good active management. And then the other side is our thematic uh, index-based ETFs. And, you know, when we went through the exercise of creating this business, a lot of my friends told me that you're nuts, like, why do you want to be in, uh, why do you want to try and compete with the other 650, 700 yeah, ETFs so many. That, that exist? And I said, you're probably right. We don't need another TSX-60 ETF. A lot of these core areas are well-served with the incumbents, with the big ETF players, but there's a number of areas that are unserved or underserved. And on the thematic side, a lot of them are unserved, so... When you think about thematics it's it's not about fads because they often get used interchangeably, which is far from the truth. Like the thematics, the, the pet supplies. Yeah, stuff. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I can't I can't even No, I that. can't either. But thematics to me are they encompass long term investment trends. Okay. So, example, cybercrime is not going to decrease in the next five no. or ten years. It's going to only increase. I've seen reports that say that cybercrime is going to cost about $6 trillion a year in terms of lost money in the in the global economy. And think about that. That's, you know, bigger than most countries' GDPs. Uh, so, it's, so it's nuts. So when you think about that, you say, okay, if cybercrime is going to continue to rise, then the companies that are providing cybersecurity yes. services are going to continue to be in demand and increase demand. So creating a product that invests in cybersecurity companies makes makes sense. It's a long-term investment trend.
0: I want to support that. I, w- I want, because it's so important for everything that we're doing. Like anything to do with transferring money, anything to do with work on the internet. If it does, if people are going to be able to keep stealing our passwords yeah. or even having passwords at all, we need a better way, right? And for that's, sure. And that's what this... ETF would be it's like, Well, think about it. Makes so sense. think about it. In the
1: next couple of years, there's going to be 20 billion connected devices. Yeah. 20 billion. <laughs> so that works out to be like three per person yeah, <laughs> in, on the planet. Yeah
0: right? I got a couple, I'm looking at three or four right now. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, you've got four here probably. (laughs) I've got one in my pocket, that's five, but I've got a bunch of others in the office plus, I don't know, five iPads at home and phone stuff like that. And they are all connected. They all
0: can connect anywhere. And
1: even, you know, like even in the poor countries today, you know, they they don't have landlines, they have cell phones. It's cheaper uh, for wireless than it is to lay the cables uh, for landlines. So. You know, when you think about how many devices are going to be connected, you think about all the opportunities that cyber criminals are going to have to infiltrate. If you believe in the future of the automobile that we're going to have autonomous vehicles, which is another ETF that we believe in, is cybersecurity is important there too. Because imagine if, you know, in 10 years from now, we have all these self-driving vehicles out there. Somebody um, breaks in. And somebody hacks and creates accidents.
0: You know, right it's like now, a movie. Right, right I've now, seen for, that. And...
1: <laughs> okay, but right now, you know, not to not to be doom and gloom, but right now, for example, you know, I don't know if you know this, but pacemakers are connected.
0: Yeah, you know, I I've heard that, but
1: I I don't know how. They're and connected to a computer. It's to terrifying a, to, to me. So think about it from a perspective. So ah. what started to happen now is hackers have actually hacked into pacemakers, and they're basically contacting the person and saying, if you don't give me X dollars the in Moon the next like fish. X minutes uh oh come on oh yeah we're gonna kill you well no pun intended i mean they're gonna they're gonna gonna, gonna kill the person the the pacemaker are they gonna kill the person so i I don't know why i think that's more wrong than other like it
0: just seems like that's wrong you shouldn't do that criminals this is it's all wrong you're right
1: cyber criminals have become so smart i say when i'm talking to a lot of advisors like remember the blue screen of death yeah but there was no economic model to it yeah right i mean It was a Trojan horse planted in your computer that was going to freeze up your hard drive. You'd have to throw your computer away, or if you found somebody really smart, they could fix it. But that was was it. Yeah, they didn't get any benefit. But now it's, you're right, it's hostage. Now it's Petya, now it's ransomware. Ransomware, that's it. Now it's it's breaching and taking your data and saying, if you don't give me $1,000, then I'm going, I'm going to do what I want to with this data, or give me a million, or give me 10 million, depends on the data, right? So, So cyber criminals have become smart. And actually, there's honor among thieves because most times, if you pay that ransom you actually do get your data back and nothing happens Well, because
0: the, the business model is shot if not bingo. right bingo so that's a cyber uh, security which yeah. is so relevant right now it and you, you mentioned auto you
1: know, my daughters now are 10 i think that there's a good chance that they won't need to drive when they're 16 17 i've heard that i'm a huge believer that the technology will be there by the time they need to drive, the question will be: Will legislation allow self-driving vehicles? Yeah. So that's where you're going to have some speed bumps—no pun intended—along uh, the way. Because you know we've had some mishaps, you know some some tragic mishaps. Like Uber had a had a death in one of their self-driving vehicles a couple weeks ago. A couple of weeks ago, um, right. you know, a number of them have had uh, challenges. It just means that. You know, they need to make more advancements and they need to allocate more resources to spending for it. But I'm a big believer that we will continue towards autonomous vehicles and we will continue towards electric vehicles.
0: So each one of these ETFs that you have, it carries some, sure. some risk, right? Yeah. So like that's the risk there is that legislation will stop the advancement of, of vehicles, the things that we can't control. We don't know this. So like how how do you balance the risk? You just you just make people aware of that there's a risk when you invest in this and that it's a part of your portfolio.
1: Yeah, we don't advise end investors. I mean, I don't talk yeah, to okay, end yeah. investors, right? I mean, like they yeah. either go and use a do You're making the product. A discount yeah. or they go and use the brokers. Who I usually I'm speaking to are brokers who are providing the investment advice That's and making right. the portfolio allocation decisions uh, for investors. So when an investor, you know, goes through their entire financial plan with the with their advisor, they identify, you know, their, their risk tolerance based on that risk tolerance. And they can
0: recommend these products if if they fit in, or if they fit in a nice corner of their portfolio, if they're balanced somewhere else, there's room in anybody's portfolio for this. But if if this is what they want. But it could be one percent. It could be twenty yeah. percent. I mean, it depends on what your risk tolerance yeah. is. Yeah, everyone's
1: different. Everyone's everyone's right. different. I mean, right now people seem to be piling like thirty or forty percent of their net worth into cannabis stocks. Yeah. Uh, so everyone's everyone's different. I don't know if there's a lot of financial planning that's going into that, but I mean, you're definitely seeing a lot. So, but when you look at that, let's say legislation doesn't allow uh, autonomous vehicles, still doesn't mean that technology is going to stop. It's a good right? point. So today. In most cars that are made, my car now is I think two and a half years old. I've got a blind spot checker. Yeah, I've got park assist, backup. Uh, I've got video. backup cameras, front end cameras. Yeah. That's all on the path to autonomous vehicles. Yeah, so these and are I just can bumps tell you, in the road. These are bumps yeah. in the road, but I can tell you, blind spot checker has saved me probably at least from three accidents. Totally, right? So it's also most importantly making the roads safer. And when you have full autonomous vehicles, you shouldn't have any. Traffic fatalities or roadside fatalities. All and you yeah. shouldn't have accidents. Which means that you're going to result in, but and you will p- probably have less car ownership because the shared element. Uh, I've heard will that a lot. That's that's the story. It's really of the day. it's really interesting. And then on the electric side, you see countries publicly stating that in the next, depending on the country, ten to twenty years, they're going to ban the combustible engine because of the amount of pollution that it's creating. So sure. car manufacturers are migrating towards either hybrid at a minimum, or at least or or definitely electric uh, vehicles. So there's making huge strides in the electrification, the cost of the batteries coming down, which was a big challenge before. I mean, that's one of the reasons why the Model 3 from Tesla will eventually come out Mm -hmm. and and be cost efficient because the cost of the battery for electric vehicles has come down as well. So most auto manufacturers are going to, I think in the next 10 to 20 years, probably not going to be manufacturing combustible engine cars. Mm -hmm. And it's going to change our entire environment. It's crazy to think,
0: right? Because it's been been everything that we know. We grew up in this combustible yeah. engine world yeah. and it's going away and a lot of people don't want to believe that it's possible but it, it, we have to accept the reality i think i
1: think you're right and you know so so our etf is not just investing in the car manufacturers but investing in the in the supply chain mm. investing in the battery manufacturers investing in the technology companies yeah. that are working towards autonomous and that's how it's well-rounded yeah right it's 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 not like it's your proxy it's not
0: just tesla right? well, give
1: me, well, Whenever people think of the future of the automobile, they think of Tesla. Now, I don't know whether it's true or not, but I talk to a lot of people who are entrenched in the auto industry. And they actually think that Tesla is going to be the next BlackBerry instead of the next Apple. Mm. And that GM and Ford are actually making more advancements on electric vehicles and autonomous vehicles than even Tesla is. I don't know whether that's true or not because I'm not entrenched in the auto space. But what if they're right? What if you decide that your proxy to invest in the future of the automobile is Tesla Yeah, and they're right? That was a bad investment. Yeah. Right? That's you just why it makes sense. Thing. That's why it makes sense to buy an ETF.
0: Yeah, ETFs makes make a lot of sense. It gives you, the you diversification. Know, diversification, I promote this a lot, you know, diversified portfolio of diversified yeah. portfolio of investments, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like diversify your diversification. Yeah. And we could keep talking about all your ETFs, but <laughs> I am taking up a, a lot of your time. Yeah. And so, uh, we can just leave it at that. Sure. The, the, those are two great examples. I mean, there's a gender diversity one that I really like. And, and, you know, and our cannabis and, and ETF. and the cannabis ETF. And if you just want to list off the ones that I'm missing, a blockchain ETF. Blockchain ETF. Um, and yeah. we can get into, you know, it, it might be obvious as to, you know, what these are and, and, uh, and why you would invest in them because, they are the future. A lot of this stuff is the future. They are the
1: future. I mean, I think blockchain, The probably one of the misconceptions is everyone just ties blockchain to cryptocurrency. Or Bitcoin but, specifically, or Bitcoin, which, but which is not true. I think the future of blockchain is going to be the second coming of the internet. Yeah. And, and, and big complexes like Microsoft and IBM and Accenture are already allocating a lot of resources to blockchain research and blockchain implementation. So to me, that's important. Same long-term trend with cannabis. I mean, you know, the yeah. the, the, the recreational use uh, is coming upon us in, in, a, in a few months. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how it gets implemented. But, you know, Canadian companies are fulfilling the global demand and their position. We're going to be the first of the G8 countries to legalize recreational use of marijuana. And I think that's going to be a huge industry uh, for us nobody really has a great sense of what the demand is going to be like because nobody has a great measurement of the black market yeah <laughs> right
0: so the one thing that we can't figure well, come out come on right? if stats can't, can't they give a, us stats? If stats can't send a survey
1: to you and say do you use cannabis what are you gonna <laughs> while it's illegal are you gonna actually we need say, to work yeah, on that yeah, exactly. black market data so it'll be interesting to see so i mean those are a couple that really do encompass long-term trends gender diversity same thing long-term trend the companies are not going to go backwards they're not going to say whoa we have uh, we have 30 females on our board we got to move back towards a male. No,
0: and I like that. Keith and I were discussing and and you pick these companies that have a pretty distinct policy about gender diversity not just putting a couple of of, of women on the board uh, to meet their quota, they have an investment in this, and it's important. And
1: this, you know, I, tied, I talked about my daughters uh, as it related to the cars. 10 NTF, years old this but year? They're 10, but yeah, they're 10. But I mean, same thing for the gender diversity. You know, I want them to go into a work world where they get treated equally, where they've got as much Absolutely. chance of getting promoted as their male counterpart. Yes, please. And, and they get paid as much. Which it, does not exist today. They get paid as much so as, their, as their male counterpart if they're doing the same job. They just need to be on equal footing. It doesn't necessarily need to be you know, 50-50 in the workforce – But they just need to be treated equally because it it ends up actually paying dividends. And I think companies need to understand that it leads to better performance because if you have more females in the workforce and more balance in the leadership and in the employee base and better HR policies – you tend to have a happier workforce.
0: Everyone from different backgrounds, different religions. That's the entire diversity and inclusion. Different, you know, different anything will bring a different perspective. And if you have a whole bunch of guys who have grown up in the same way or have the same thoughts, you're just going have to have one direction and maybe that's not yeah. the, uh, the best way to go, is it?
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And So I think a lot of our ETFs are kind of encompassing you know, the right thing to do and you have to believe that it's, it makes investment sense as well. Awesome. Well, thanks. Thank you. Thanks for
0: having me in the the Evolve headquarters. (laughs) And uh, it's exciting. Thanks a lot. Thanks for talking to me, Raj. If you like this episode, please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It would mean a lot to me and it only takes a few seconds. For the show notes and any links from the episode, head over to my website, investwisely.ca. And while you're there, please feel free to send me a message on my contact page. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Personal Finance Show. Like I said at the beginning of the episode, next week is my small business episode and the launch of my new site, financialaccounting.ca. I'm really excited about this, and I hope that you tune in next week and check out the new site.